What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, Uber Lyft driver, and gig economy news. I'm your host, SJ, and I have tonight Marissa Edens. Hi, Marissa. What's up? Um, so we, she's going to help me here in a minute going through some of the tax stuff that is probably looming many of you, I'm guessing. Um, we're... A week out. A week out. For real? <laughs> I'm going to let the tape roll there because that was good. Um, but, uh, okay, yeah, I guess so. Tomorrow. I guess so. Um, and as as has been said before, I really, probably not the best year to last minute want to file an extension. If that was going to be done, you should have done that a while ago. Um, I would not mail in that you need an extension this week, <laughs> unless you truly do. If you truly do, okay. But. Right, you can. You'll get the same extension to October. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. I, I just, personally, I just wouldn't want to be red flagged. <laughs> I think, why is this guy not ever together twice? Um, but, yeah, I would uh, absolutely get that in there. Um, and uh, so hopefully some of the info tonight will be uh, helpful to some of you guys. And maybe when we're done... We can uh, take one of our older tax pages on the website, uberliftdrivers.com, and put in some of the stuff that we talk about tonight and get something a little more accurate. There are, on the website, while I'm mentioning that, there are some good articles on some tax deductions. But before you just jump over to there, do listen to what we talk about tonight. And then maybe I'll put something together and kind of update it. So, uh We'll start off with some news, and uh, then we'll hit on that. So, three three weeks ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, the Uber-Grubhub merger fell apart. And this week, or yesterday, we saw that Uber and Postmates did complete their deal that started last week. Now it's complete, and... Uber paid $2.65 billion for a complete buyout of Postmates. So there's no sticky, tricky language in there at all. It's just uh, they're not going to IPO, and they're just going to merge into Uber. Um, there's a couple of things that I want to talk to relevant to this, because the stock market I was watching is saying how Uber was just killing it yesterday and today. Obviously, even all of the articles I read related it to this. But, again, I think we're seeing something that, uh, you know, did Uber buy Postmates because Postmates is so good they need to learn something from their technology and integrate it? No, because they wanted Grubhub, but Grubhub didn't work out. Postmates, maybe they wanted Postmates more, and that was a plan, but one way or the other... They were willing to take Postmates if Grubhub didn't work out. So this, to me, appears to be just nothing more than Uber wanting to own all of the market. And an example, now I had wrote with this deal, but now this deal is done. So with this deal now done, DoorDash will have 45% of market sales in the U.S. Uber Eats now with Postmates included into it, will have 30% of the market sales for the U.S. And Grubhub will be at 23. Um, 
there's three cities that were looked at in percentages, specifically in those cities, post Postmates buyout with Uber in the in that merger, what they would then claim in these three markets. And this isn't just they they noticed three. They're looking into a lot of markets, and a lot of them fall close to these numbers. But these were actually uh, uh, recorded in and whatnot. So in these three markets specifically that I was talking about, I'm only going to discuss Miami, Los Angeles, and Phoenix. Three absolutely huge rideshare markets. So I guess it was a three... Three good ones to go on because the oversight committees are watching for any kind of funny business with this merger. I think there's already red flags up, but um, it is going to happen. It's happened. But in the in the mark in Miami, seventy eight percent of food delivery on demand market will now be Uber Eats. Fifty percent in L.A. and forty three percent in Phoenix. And if you're not if if that's sta- if the seventy eight sounds large, it is. If the other two don't, like you're like, well, maybe you know, it's not that big or whatever. It is. I mean, if you take into account there's other companies operating that make up the other fifty percent in L A. That gives not Uber Eats the very stronghold, but it also allows them to do what we know Uber does and thrash prices, give away food. Do a lot, a lot of that stuff where we don't know where they're coming up with the money to do it, but they do it just to kind of wait out the competition. So, you know, if, if every market in the country was at 78% like Miami, this would be a huge problem. And my guess is the SEC or the Oversights Committee or something would stop this and not even let it happen because if they were going to have 80% of every market, they would dominate that market and be able to literally put all the others in the market out of business immediately. So, because the issue will fall that drivers won't be able to get paid as much working off the Uber Eats platform. So if you're with DoorDash, who has 45% of the country, but you're in Miami where DoorDash has 11% of Miami, they might kind of crush that market for the DoorDashers. But now... Uber Eats and Postmates might make up for that. You might make more over there, which I need to plug this right now, even though I was going to bring it up later. Again, folks, autonomy.jobs, get on there, get your, get your, uh, um, get your data. It's yours. They sell it. It's yours. They sell it. It's yours. And you need it. Just have a copy. You should have a copy. You should have a flash drive of your data. And you should also know what these companies sell. And by that data, you have a copy. You know what they're selling at least. So you see, you can see what they're doing, but you also have it. Ever need it for an audit, ever want it for research reasons, whatever. But the once you do that, you get the data for free back from autonomy. And then you get to see in your market what platforms make what amounts and which one you should be working on the hours you work gigging. So uh, get over there. This is a great time to do it. Having this printed out, put it on a flash drive right around tax time isn't a bad thing either. Never know. You know, I don't know drivers that have been audited. 
even all, probably all the drivers I know, I don't know any that have been directly audited myself. So I don't know what that process looks like, but I know that if I was going into it, I would want my data if it's out there because it's huge amounts of data too. The kind of thing that nobody wants to look through. <laughs> so, um, but they can do all platforms now. I think they've got like 38 up there now. Uh, so and it'll soon be everything, but they can do all, all the gig apps for you and they can pull all your stuff into a meaningful context. So anyway, Postmates has an Uber are now one Uber also bought out corner shop and started operations last week. I didn't know it was with corner shop last week when we were talking, but in South America and Canada, they are live Thursday, Friday, last week, and this week again, doing grocery delivery. They are coming to the United States within the next six weeks. Um, so Uber will have Cornerstone, Postmates, Uber Eats, Uber. And they will be competing with Instacart and even the smaller dumplings that we learned to like and stuff. But, uh, yeah, as, what, the things I'm seeing when I see all this come together is during COVID, there's a lot of uh, trying to bully up their position in uh, a lot of countries and cities. But I guess that's what you do when you're trying to get ahead. It just it just feels a little weird at this time. But <clears throat> excuse me. Uber also went live in Winnipeg, Canada yesterday, and I didn't even, that that wasn't even on my radar. I knew Vancouver, but I didn't even know Winnipeg was. Looking at that, I know there's been so many problems with uh, rideshare in Canada that I know that uh, Quebec, um, Ontario, and Vancouver at just recently kind of got pushed into it. But I didn't know any of the other uh, provinces were in, were having rideshare anymore. So I'm kind of surprised that Winnipeg is back on the, is back and doing it. <clears throat> but they are and. Uh, I mean, there's nothing you can do about that. Um, but it just seems like a lot of things were thrown at us in one week. You know, we saw the Grubhub thing fail, that it was Postmates that went together. You know, the other thing went together for grocery. They're, they're launching in another city in a country that's very hesitant to have them there. Just, I guess, even with COVID, it's just business is crazy for uh, Uber. Business as usual crazy. <laughs> um and then just a couple other things before we jump into some tax stuff tonight. And we'll try and make it not boring. Um, hopefully Marissa will keep us entertained. Um, but so there was a study done uh, on the Seattle. It's, done, it's been done on a bunch of areas. But the stats I was looking at were just based on Seattle. Where Cornell University and UC, University of California, Berkeley – not teamed together, but doing the same project independently and separately on the same city, uh, using the same stats and information, were to det determine what drivers make per hour, not after expenses or all the wording that gets it real confusing, but just bottom line, what do they make per hour? That was how it was put. And Cornell, it's an interesting finding, actually, because it goes to prove something Marissa said last time she was here about how most people just really, it's so hard to look at all the information and interpret it correctly. 
and some of it's dependent on you, your vehicle, things of that nature. Is it in the shop every week? Uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's so many variables, but they conducted it same city, same area, same times, two different studies. University of Cornell came up with Uber Lyft drivers in Seattle during the said period make nine seventy three an hour. The University of California, Berkeley came up with this exact, using the exact same da- data, came up with 23, 23.25 an hour. <laughs> so we're not slightly off. It's actually, University of California is claiming it's, that it's two it's 250 percent what they make compared to what Cornell said seems like seems like a it seems like a big difference to me of that fourteen dollars that using the same data for two schools that I mean are heavily data driven <laughs> they're math and data schools I mean this is pretty insane that this is how they came up with it and i haven't seen the real detail of it you know i've read a couple articles it had some but um i haven't seen the the meat of why you know did cornell what were their what were their factors what were their I, I, so that's something i want to find now because i didn't even know this was being done and i'll put the link up that i have uh in the linear notes tonight with the show but i uh, we'll look into that too, because I'm interested to see. I mean, obviously, it's not. We got this number. We got this number. This is. These are pretty basic low numbers. So I mean, the variables that that each instituted had to be what brought this up, and that could really shed to light a lot. Could it not, Marissa? Yeah, of course. It's uh, very interesting how they're so different on the results that they came up with. I mean, but I'm even speaking about like. This the, how they came up with these numbers might really help us understand why why they're so varied. Wh- why they're saying such different numbers? Yes, like I mean, just how drivers are confused sometimes on what they're making, or like you said, right? Well, is one pre-expense and one's after expense? No, I mean, we don't all, have any. They of had those all details. the same all the same data that they had to take it into account. They could, they're not, it's not set on different results. So is this the results of after expenses? This is what drivers this is, this earned? Is the or is this pre-expenses what drivers earned? That's the part I don't know. But right. what I do know is they used the, they same, the same model with their algorithms and such right. to come up with the numbers. But they had to, it, it wasn't like, hey, you figure out what it is after expenses, you do before, and let's see if it's the same number. Because won't be. <laughs> well, the after expenses is a hard number to hit because expenses vary. Oh. If they wanted to compare apples to apples, they would really, I mean, depending on what segment of the population they're, how they're getting that information, I mean, really, it would be a simpler way to compare it if they left the expenses out because that throws in another 500 more variables to the 20 variables that already exist in Uber's pay alone per minute, right? Per mile, the base fee, uh, (laughs) you know, all of those variables, uh, and the time of day change how much you get paid so much already that once you throw in, Oh yeah. The year of the car, (laughs) once you throw in the varied expenses, I mean, if you go buy a 2020, if you go buy a 2020 car and somebody else is driving a 2012, 
just going to guess here, but I think the 2012 might require more work. Right, but that's on the expense side. That's so variable. But that's, I know, but, that, but, a, lot, but a lot of people use that and do figure that into what they're making. Right. Everybody's figuring it out different. Right, everybody. So, but these two were supposed to use a model. The model should have been, and I'm sure it was, very clear. That's why I want to see the depth results. Right. I want to see how they got there. Cause and if were it they was, getting their information from actual pay, or were they getting it from 14, asking people, what do you earn? 1,400 drivers' data, not okay. the drivers themselves, actual data pulled. Well, you know, it's it's shocking that they have the same. Third they the both other. had the same fourteen hundred drivers to work with their data mm-hmm. in the Seattle area. So that's why you even know we're talking about the same times because it's the same group. Yeah, definitely need some more investigating to really understand I just, how that varied. I just laughed because you know, like you said, if it had been, if there was another variable, or if it was like two cities, or. But the fact that these are the same 1,400 people, they both schools got it, both ran the numbers on the same people in the same city, and they said, this. what is the hourly they make? 973. What about you guys? 2325. It makes me think they have to be figuring it after expenses for those numbers to vary so much. I really, I mean, I read, I read the only two articles I could find I read, and, uh, and one of them was pretty in depth, and it was, uh, it had, I mean, it had a couple things, but it did not say. It would have said that, it would have stood out. Yeah, that would have been a marker like, this nine seventy three is based on. And again, why would you do that? That wouldn't be a comparison. That would be finding two different numbers. No, I mean that both numbers. I would think if they're both the same, I would think they they have to be after expenses. For that number to vary that much, because although Uber Pay varies, nevertheless, it's right. But it's do you still do you, do you think Cornell or UC Berkeley fucked or screwed up the what they were supposed to? I just don't see that. I see they were given like here's what you guys need to provide for us. I see that they got two completely different answers and that both <laughs> answers can't be right, you know, unless they're both like getting opposite ends of the spectrum. I mean, I don't know. It, that's why I think it just needs further investigation. Maybe, maybe it it's somewhere between what you and I are saying. Maybe it's the dispute of what is expense and you can't say that. Like maybe that was UC Berkeley's take to Cornell. You can't take right. that off. What are you taking that off for? You can't do that. Like, maybe there was a very in-depth analysis of, no, that's not a, how, and that, you can't affect that into what they earned. You can't do that. Right. Well, where, if they're, yeah, I would like to look in. We'll, we'll find, we'll find more that. information on that, you guys, uh, as well as I was going to do my comparison of Connecticut 989 and, uh, um, AB5, and I told you I'd keep it short, but I'm going to wait because Proposition 22 is now out, California. Um, I guess uh, Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash um, are willing to pay 100% of your health care if you work 25 hours or more. They are willing to pay 50% if you work 15 hours or more. Or 50, 50%. And 
that was based on a 367 a month model, which is the average for the entire state of California employer paid uh, insurance. So that's health insurance. They also are talking about a floor pay so that you can't make less than that. And uh, the only thing Marissa and I really talked about before the show was the hours that we couldn't find something on. Are your hours being calculated by being on the app or is it a picking up what you accept to drop off? So my guess, at least from the part we read about the medical, is that it has to just be the app on. Like if you hit 25 hours with the app on, you've qualified for your health care. Right. Because that's up to Uber to get you jobs. So that's, you could go sit in a weird area. But offer, that wasn't the case. They were doing ride acceptance to drop off. Oh, that for the same thing? When they were offering a, a guaranteed minimum wage, they were, they were counting from acceptance to drop off. However, AB5, of course, is talking about on the app by the hour. So that makes a big difference in what that guaranteed pay means or what it means to get those hours. Right. That's, we should find that out. I would like to know. <clears throat> I fully agree. Um, so this was interesting. Uh, 13 million gig workers are claiming unemployment or PUA which is 41% of the total of unemployed of unemployment claims right now. That is just silly staggering to me. Now I know right away some groups are thinking wait Uber left and and the delivery apps and then others are thinking no Uber left the delivery apps freelancers self-employed but really Marissa and I were talking about this as well before where it really is so many jobs. I mean, I mean, just name a job. I mean, the gig economy, given the term the gig economy, is odd because while there needs to be some fixes, absolutely, we can never get rid of gig workers. We just can't. Right. Well, it, it involves anybody who files a Schedule C, right? Anybody who does a Schedule C on their taxes. Self-employed. Right. Right. I mean, I was just, I just, I just wasn't even thinking about like, I mean, how, even in the basic, how much self-employed there is. Yeah. You know, like all the, and especially those little mom and pop places that are going under and stuff. I mean, like there's just, I mean, if 13 million gig workers are on unemployment, that's staggering. No, <laughs> it's I mean, flooring. It's flooring to think I mean, of that many. I know that we're what unemployment is. It's gone. It went up to like twenty five, thirty percent. Did it get that high? Twenty five. Yes, I believe so. Somewhere around there. But I know we're back down to eleven or twelve in the la- in the last report for whatever that's worth. But at the same time, uh, so out of eleven percent, if eleven percent of the country is unemployed and and 
41% of that 11% is 13 million gig workers who are unemployed, then approximately 5% of the population is claiming gig, per, gig worker unemployment. And are those 13 million? Or, I'm sorry, million? I'm sorry, gig, self-employed, every, every, all-encompassing. And what's going to happen to those 13 million self-employed people going forward? Are there, is their self-employment going to be available again in the future as it was in the past? Or are they all going to need to, cons I mean, are all of them going to be back to their same jobs at some no. point? No, not at all. We already know that. Most of many jobs are gone. Yeah. I mean, not that, and it's not one of those, well, they're gone right now. They might be back. I mean, the companies are under, they're gone. So, I mean, those are not coming back, but, um, well, lucky, luckily for people I'm posting up today, this first of, you can work from home, <laughs> which I am doing. You will see it go up. I, I started it off with just testing websites. I will post it while I'm segueing here. Uh, I will post it for you guys to look at. Um, they average between five and twenty dollars a job. Uh, some of them that I'm posting say vary, so you just need to go there and look at what they do. But a lot of them, all of these that I put up here first, do not require any training. They have training videos that teach you to go through the website and find or whatever they're looking for in their testing. They teach you how to do it first, and you do it all from home. And uh, it's some pretty good money. As well as there's one up right now that is going to, they are taking, uh, I think it was a thousand people and I saw it today. <coughs> Excuse me. It is, uh, I'll read you this one, but it'll be up in the, in the notes as well. The website is MetaForce, all one word, M-E-T-A-F-O-R-C-E dash test.crawford.com. Now, they are paying $18 an hour to watch 8 to 14-minute videos, take notes on those short videos, and help them out with keywords. And you're on, as long as you're on the website, your clock and your ticker is going, not that you'd leave it on, but... You're getting like if you're if you're stumbling with something or you're looking into something, you're being paid for that. This is straight hourly at 18. Um, some of you guys might want to look into that, and that'll be in the notes too. Uh, it's well, 27 minutes. Uh, let's get into Texas. So we're gonna we're gonna move into uh, Marissa helping us through with this stuff a little bit, and then um, I will find we. We've had a very uh, – every year it, it seems to get popular again, and I feel like it was posted two and a half or three years ago, is a post I made with 25 write-offs. So if you go to the website and you search 25 write-offs, you won't need to because I'm going to take some notes while, while I'm talking to her, and I'm going to see what I can add and maybe even some screenshots if she's got any that we should use. I might add that in there. So I'll, I'll put that in there and then repost that post because everybody at this time of year, it seems to be <clears throat> like it's never seen all year. And then, or at least in April, it's always two to three weeks before taxes. It's the most viewed. 
So um, people are definitely looking at it, and I think there's some good things in there, but we'll see what else you guys should know because you guys, uh, I think a lot of people, Marissa brought up a good point to me about like TurboTax, how they, if you don't pay that extra money and you're just paying that whatever, $49 for TurboTax, there's nobody really checking what you do. <clears throat> and I know that sometimes, even under that cheapest plan, they'll let you submit, and you might even get a kickback saying you did something wrong, something didn't match up. That's just a simple line equation that needs to match up, and the analytics cost, caught it. Um, if you're doing TurboTax and stuff, get the extra, pay the extra 60 bucks, and if you're saying I don't have it, find it, because you need to. Um, because you need to pay to have the professional look it over when you're done. Marissa does this kind of stuff, and I just know that you can, she's even said it, but you can submit it wrong, and, you know, she was mentioning how you can even claim income twice and stuff. You don't want to get in trouble for one of these things, so. And you don't want to pay more taxes than you have to for an error where you think you're trying to cover all your bases and make sure everything's in there. Right. And you actually... Are paying more <clears throat> than you should. Well, one of the, I, my guess, no offense to anybody listening, because I don't, <laughs> I'm just saying for some of you, some of you, is that with TurboTax, because I've used it myself, um, if you get down to the bottom, it shows, and then it has back. So if you don't like that amount you owe, my guess is people are going back, really digging for more stuff. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. You know, and, and, and I'm not even saying it's not write-offable stuff. It just might have been the stuff they put to the side. Like, let's not try and not use this. I don't know if that's legit. Let's not use it. You know, and then they see what they owe, and they go, let's go back and use that. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Like, you might think you don't need it and then realize, you know, that would be a valuable write-off at this point because I've got a lot of income. So right. what, what, what advice could you give us? Well, that... first of all, if you're doing it yourself and you're not going to go on an app and do it, the first question it's going to ask you is your business code. Um, a code that represents your type of business. And the IRS has a list of t a ton of them. But basically, it's the same as a taxi and limo driver. And it's 485300. That's the first important piece of information that you're going to have to put on your form. Is it taxi? Is it the taxi one or is yeah. it transportation? Or? It's a it's taxi okay. and limo. And yeah, taxi and limo drivers. Okay. Because um, the reason I ask is because PUA, at least here in Colorado, and I talked to some others too, PUA did not let you claim taxi limo wasn't a thing. Like you, we had to really just kind of go with the best – Best thing I could find was transportation. Yeah, well, that probably is. I know, but I was thinking about right. But I was thinking <laughs> long haul trucking when I saw it. So I was looking for taxi limo. It wasn't there. So okay. The second most important thing is that uh, Uber and Lyft don't necessarily mail you uh, your tax the tax documents they that they are supposed it to, to you. give you. So you need to go on and find those in your app. You can find it on your online account, and you're gonna get. Possibly a 1099K, depending on how much you earned. A 1099 miscellaneous, most likely, if you drove a lot. And a summary, and the summary is the most important. You should get a miscellaneous, even if you... 
even minimal driving should have one because tolls, anything comes up on that. Right. Well, the summary is going to be the most important, although depending on if you're using an app to do your taxes, they're going to ask you for to enter in the 1099s. Um, but on the summary, it's going to give you a total of your gross wages that you earned driving for them. And then it's going to give you a list of expenses that you paid, taxes and fees. Uh, there's several places you can put it on there. You can put it on under, I put mine on number 10, commissions and fees, because that's the way I did it the first year. So I have continued to document it that As way. As opposed to what? Other people might put it on other expenses, which is in line 27A, and you can make a list of expenses that you would put in there. One of them could be tolls. Oh, there's actually a place for tolls. Um, any of the fees that are listed on your summary could be listed under other expenses as a line item. Okay. Um, or there's also a line that's taxes and license, number 23. So, that you so basically the first thing, drivers, that's out there that's coming to my mind as she says this is uh, airport fees and tolls. Airport fees, tolls, and the taxes, whatever they're pulling out, it's... Yeah. Uh, yeah, airport fees, tolls, and surcharges. Uh, the other... And so you're going to put those on your gross wages or enter it in when requested on the 1099s. Um, the next important thing to decide is how you're going to claim your auto expenses. You can do the actual mileage or the standard. The standard is a more simple way to do it and also can be a larger deduction depending on your situation. It's always good to try both. Um, when you do the actual, it's a little more complicated. You have, need to keep really by, good records. By the way, people... Um Again, we were talking before we did the podcast a little bit tonight, and Marissa had pointed out, you know, because just right off the top of my head, I was like, what off the top of your head is one that jumps out at you that you would be not wanting to use the standard mileage? And she said leases, and if you use Uber or Lyft's rental rewards program, those are the same. That's like, that's a lease as well. Right. Um, so you. If you have high expenses on your car, like, Maybe you pay a lot of gas for your car and use that car mostly more than 50% for rideshare driving, then you might actually consider using the actual mileage rate. If you use your car equally for uh, personal use and driving, then your actual expenses are going to get cut in half if it's 50-50. So you got to define the percentage of personal use, right. commuting, <clears throat> different from your business use. So with actual mileage your expenses are reduced or multiplied by your actual percentage of use for that. So, Right. My thing was that also, you know, to drivers, really hit on that word that she just said, percentage, because you might think you're, you're using your car for personal more than you think, but really it just comes down to the miles. If you take Saturday and Sunday off and you drive four miles to a beach both those days... Right. But then you drive a 1,000 miles all week, thousands. Well, that's why it's important. If you're going to use the actual mileage rate, you really need to know at the beginning of the year what the mileage is on your car. And then after you track all your business miles at the end of the year, then you can 
effectively say, well, I know what my business miles were, so I know what my personal miles were, and you can easily cre create a percentage. Which is so, why myself, you, and again, this this is not an ad for Stride. We have nothing to do with them. <laughs> right. But I use Stride. Marissa used to use Stride. I don't know if you still do or yeah. want to. Okay, so that's a great app for it because it takes into account you can enter everything you do, including goodies, water, all that. But it also takes in your real miles. Prince, you ought to a map of where you went because if you try and use the miles that uber lyft says you're gonna end up with about 50 percent give or take of the miles you should be claiming right because they're not tracking any mile that you're getting they're only tracking once you get a accept a ride so so if you're doing the actual expenses the records that you need to keep aside from the mileage are the things that you can claim, which you need to have a list of this. If you're going to claim it on your taxes, you need to have it documented and stored with your tax documents. Even if that list is a handwritten list of the date you purchased and what you purchased, or you keep receipts, but you need to document it. You can write off gas. Uh, you're going to depreciate your vehicle, which is write off a percentage of the cost every year. You can any fees you pay for your registration or parking, your insurance, lease payments, repairs, oil, tire, washes, your car registration, all of those will be deducted as a total expense by the percentage it was used for business. So uh, for the standard, definitely more simple. You only need to track your business miles. This year it's 58 cents per mile. Not a bad deduction. Um, and the simpler way to go takes a little less documentation. So beyond that, there's uh, other things you can write off that have nothing to do with your auto or that percentage. They include things like your wireless plans. Uh, you may use that in a percentage with your personal use. Like maybe you're going to say, I use this 30% for ride sharing and 30% for business and the rest for personal. Or maybe it's 50% business, 50%. You have to determine that percentage. Uh, all of those will apply, that percentage will apply to uh, your wireless plans, your phone accessories. Uh, you can write off completely things that you buy as passenger treats. Uh, those are gonna go in supplies. Any kind of memberships you can write off in complete and that's under dues and subscriptions. And then of course, parking and tolls that you might pay while you're driving are a write off. Um, some other things, cleaning supplies that you might use to clean your car, definitely a write-off. Uh, in theory, car washes are only a write-off. I hate to break it to everybody, but they're only a write-off if you do actual. Um, I think that could be loosely interpreted, however. What do you if do? you wash your car before, car oh. washes are considered an actual expense. So, so the standard deduction in theory includes car washes. However, if somebody puked in your car or you got mud on your car driving and had to clean it, I would think that you could sort of call that cleaning and maintenance. I mean, well, it I makes think sense to me. As I, long as you document it and show why you would have done that differently than normal expense on your car. I think a couple, I think two, three years ago, that was way more of a problem than now because... Now, at least me, during COVID, I've turned it off. 
but I had a monthly subscription for $35 for car washes. Okay. That makes it a lot better. That could actually, yeah, I would see why that I would, would hope be a, a lot. Of, I think a lot of drivers do that these because days. Because you would only have that subscription yeah. because you're not going to have that just because you want to keep right, your that's car like, clean every day. I mean, that's a driving Right, that's like, that's like Pandora, iTunes, which, by the way, Spotify, could these be written off? Yes. Okay. Those are write-offs. Yeah, because I mean, I've always done it. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Any kind of... Um, I mean, if you buy an accessory that you only need because of rideshare, then you can write it off completely as rideshare. If you use it as personal, you got to balance it. But a music app, I could see you would purchase that specifically for rideshare. It's a membership. <coughs> right. Absolutely. Um, what, some of the more random things that people maybe don't realize they can claim are things like massages. You know? I wouldn't go crazy on that. I think one thing to remember when you're doing your taxes are there's a lot of things you probably can write off and, and justify. However, you have to remember that a Schedule C is designed for a business, and the IRS would expect people are going to run a business for the first three years and have a loss. But then after that point, they're going to start seeing a profit. So if your business takes a loss every year for 10 years, they could, I mean, in theory, it's almost like it's a hobby and not a business, which would mean you would lose a lot of your tax write-offs. So you really don't want to lose money every year. And that's one thing I would just kind of put out there. I'm not saying that you can't lose money every year, especially if things like this year happens and people might be more likely to lose money. But I would keep that in in mind that a business is expected to turn a profit at some point. And so well, yeah, always yeah. taking a loss could put you in a position for being audited at some point. Or taking really crazy extravagant expenses that even that just stand out on the document, you know, I would I would be wary of that. I would make sure they make sense, make sure you really feel justified and then you'll sleep better at night and not <laughs> so I have a question though, but in your experience, if people, I know you're not a fan, fan of TurboTax, but we won't go there tonight. Uh, I mean, her reasons are good. So, but just people, if you're using TurboTax, be careful. They do have a, if you've used it before and not seen it, or you have seen it, they have a couple options when you're leaving, uh, checking out to have, one of them is to have somebody look at it. And there's a couple different tiers. That first tier, if you look at it, Probably what you get in it covered is going to cover you as a rideshare driver, gig worker. The other ones get up into more complicated stuff, but take a look at them because it is worth the money. But um, so I guess what I was trying to point out, at least, is I hope that if you're doing gig work, it's for a few reasons: a) you enjoy it; b) you're making money. Um, or are on your way to if you're new or whatever. Um, see, it's a, it's a side thing, 10 hours a week. Um, but like Marissa said, if, if eight years into this, you've never turned a profit, just like any business, you start looking, or five years, you start looking at closing that business, right. you know, and moving on. I mean, there's other jobs, there's, uh, there's benefits, and probably they don't. Maybe you're making more even after all the cuts from Uber and Lyft, still with Uber and Lyft, so they don't pay as much. You got to work on a schedule, no freedom. 
So you might get a couple things, but again, it's like the taxes. You just gotta, which one do you want? Do you want to work on a set, on a schedule that's made every week? Or do you want to make your schedule? Are you responsible enough to make your schedule? Are you, you, do you, can you at least hit a few times that make you money shifts in case you have a lot of money shifts that aren't money shifts? Can you optimize autonomy.jobs? Autonomy.jobs. People, I don't make money on this. Uh, Although, what up, David? He did make me the first ambassador of a city. So I'm the ambassador of Denver. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever that means, I'm not really sure. David, you should call me. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, really, guys, this is that time, too. It's tax time. Let them pull your info. You should have a flash drive of it. Let them pull it. Cost nothing. It's free. Go there. Email David at autonomy.jobs. Go to the website, autonomy.jobs. Check it out. Um, Get that data. You can also see when's the best times to work. But getting back to taxes because we're running on time here a little bit. And I just wanted to make sure that, again, guys, this is, it's taxes. We, even the best of, the best of people with the most complicated taxes get thrown on this stuff. So there's a lot to take in. There's a lot of stuff on uberliftdrivers.com. Go there and put in taxes. You know, I mean, you'll see in the search, you'll come up with a lot of stuff. Um, So you could really plow through that stuff and see what you find. But we're just trying to give you some basics of some things you should know. And we also didn't mention it, but the standard deduction for gas mileage is 58 cents. I don't think it changed from last year. Well, it was the year before it was 55, 54.5 in 2018. Okay. So it, it changes, and they upped it this year, you to know, 58. to 58 to help out. Uh, that's the highest I've seen it. I have seen it at, like, <clears> 56.5 in past years. but Right. Yeah. You know, some things people might feel better about investing in is their tax deduction or things for their safety, like uh, anything you invest in for your safety to carry in your car, including a dashboard camera. Um, is a wise decision. Any rideshare driver without a dash cam should just stop doing rideshare or should go buy a dash cam right now. And I hate to be that black and white, folks, but we are in a world where stuff is happening every, not only every day, every minute. If you are driving random people you don't know around in your car, you need a dash cam, period, period. And also other things for your comfort, like if, your seat is uncomfortable and you want to invest in a pad to sit on, that's tax deductible. And some of those things can be important if it is the makes your driving experience better, you know, more is comfortable. Is the seat? The seat, I guess so. If I mean, you... What if the springs are that bad? What if the seats just bunk? Or is that on you? You know, I don't know. That could be verging on actual expenses. But uh, if it was necessary for ride share and you could... I mean, it is. You could you justify need to have it. workable. Yeah. You have yeah. to. You could get deactivated. I would guess so. I mean. Again, yeah. folks, these are just, this is just Marissa and I brainstorming, and she has the more experience in this than me. So I'm throwing out some questions <laughs> like I thought any of you might if you were sitting here in the room with her. Yeah. Well, roadside assistant plan, assistance plans are good things to invest in for your safety. Of course, um, a really good phone mount is great to have. Um, you don't think you should just trust Uber and Lyft to take care of you if you have a problem? No, no. Oh, wait. Don't do that. (laughs) Um, yeah. And I guess other than that, 
um, I, I think I mentioned cleaning supplies and air fresheners and that type of thing are definite. And goodies. Yeah, goodies and that you get I don't, passengers. I know none of us ever do it anymore. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's in the 90s here every day. If I was doing rideshare, if I was back in there right now, um, you know, and we're, again, we're coming up on end of July and there's no extension on that PUA as of yet. So, um, and like I told you, when we started this podcast or two episodes in, start eyeballing July 1st. I don't know if you remember me saying that, but I was saying, don't, it'll creep up on us. It will be here and you'll go, crap, it's, it's July 1st. Yep. And now it's July 7th. You know, the only other thing I would mention as well, I know I said this, but the meals. Oh, a yeah. Lot of please like do, to please write do mention meals. this. Yeah, a lot of people like to write off meals um, at, like, say, they're driving and they stop and eat McDonald's and then continue driving and they take that meal as an expense where you get the 50% deduction. Um, that's really not actually the way it's supposed to work. Um the only way in a ride share that I could see those meals would qualify is if you're meeting with another driver, you're opening your apps, you're, and you're having a meeting about a game plan of where to drive. Like maybe you're looking through your apps and studying the charts of where the good places are or where, when the high rates are, and you're actually making a game plan, having a meeting, discussing a strategy. That could be a deductible meal. So you know, people, people. Make sure that you have some friends in your market that do ride share, even just a couple that you can, uh, even just a couple that you can uh, claim that you've been talking with. Make sure you do talk with them about ride share. I'm sure you do actually. Or Twitter people with direct messages, those kind of things that you can prove because if you can prove it, uh, that you guys were talking and you're in the same industry, is that? Yeah, I mean, it, just don't abuse it. But it's also an asset to use your fellow drivers as resources if you're willing sure. to share information. Oh, yeah. I mean, that can not just create a tax deduction, well, but it so, can also give you valuable information and get your head in the game before you go out to drive. Does know? it apply to Twitter DM? <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. You know, I, our president speaks through Twitter. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know if people are using Twitter meetings. I'm sure Zoom. Meetings. I mean, if you got if I got audited and I was talking with drivers all over the country, which I do every day, right? Um, and I pulled over to have lunch so that I could have a DM with this guy. I don't. Which know. I actually That's, do. I do these things. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure as Why, the mean, purchase of food is normally in a meeting place that you're Right, but we're in but a different I, world. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how that really applies to We're not supposed to even be six feet from each other. It's true. You know, I that may be determined more loosely in years to come. Right. I mean, I would think that with all the Zoom meetings and stuff, those are going to be tax deductible if you have a lunch or something. You can't tell me they won't. I, I, yeah, I would guess you so. you got teachers and huge groups. And, mm -hmm. you know, if they're not getting a per diem, they have to be paid for the, I mean, some of those things, the way they work. That I just think that maybe we're in different times, but yeah. I know we're in different I, I would, times. I would, I would think. definitely not be, been considered in the tax law yet. After what you told me the other night about food, mm -hmm. I'm glad that uh, I don't write it off how I used to. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, it's confusing, and it does appear as It wasn't it, confusing. I just used to write off every meal. Well, a lot of people do that, I think, because it sort of appears that they can. You know, that's what they think that that's about. But Well, I mean, I always did awesome. find myself on the road, you mm-hmm. know. Right. I only did it on the days I stopped and had lunch. You know what I mean? It's not like I was like, would stop after a shift on the way home and charge my dinner as a lunch or anything weird like that. And some days I took a sandwich or whatever, too. So some days I had myself covered. But if I stopped for lunch, I was writing it off. I know it's wrong. I don't care. And, <laughs> You're uh... not alone. And a lot, of people have, <laughs> a lot of people are doing that now and don't know that they're not supposed to. So, you know. Yeah. It is what it is. I mean, we're, we're in a funky year, people. I mean, who knows what they're going to audit and whatnot. But what she did give was sound advice on that. So... I would say, oh, the last question I did want to ask, this was the last question I wanted to ask you. Do you think that um, if people are doing their taxes on their own, how do people like you feel when they call you and just have a quick question? Oh, if they call the office? Yeah. They don't, they're not looking to hire you this year, but they might in future years. My, my thing has always been I would think they would be extra kind to you hoping on your business later. Right. I don't know about all offices. I would imagine it depends. It's individual from office to office. I know where I work, they give a free consultation and actually would give a considerable amount of advice to somebody who even wasn't going to become a client. That's what I mean. If they felt like it was more to their advantage to do it on their own, like, you know, you're going to pay me a lot of money for something that's easy. I can show you how to do this. Right. Well, you can't, well, you can't say that they won't be a client because they might go, yeah, because I'm going to do it myself. Go do it themselves. It messes up. They might be right back to you. Well, yeah. A lot of people you show how to do it and they still are like, you know what? You know what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) You handle it. You know, I. So in a, in a nutshell, give people. Give rideshare and gig workers one minute of advice if they're if they're still unfiled or for future years as it stands right now. Just any what would what would be the one minute advice you would give people? Keep accurate records and keep them clear and keep them together because that way when tax time comes, it's as simple as handing over the documentation. What takes people the most time doing taxes is trying to track stuff down and remember and recreate. So keep records. That's what I'd say. Yeah. And again, we don't get sponsorship or anything. And it's just what I prefer as an app is Stride because all the things she just talked about. If you've used Stride, you might have used Stride and never even got into this in-depth stuff. But it's not that hard to do it either. It's super easy. And it tracks literally everything, puts the date to it, whatever you did. It can take a picture of the receipt. So, I mean, you can, and it shows the, like I said, if like, if I were to leave my house and go do ride share for the day, put 400 miles on my car and 180 were Uber rides, I'm going to claim the 400 miles. And I have a map printout that can show where my, you know, where I went they can prove that it matches up with the riders and what I was doing. And yep. so stri- I use it for multiple businesses. Yeah. I mean, there's tracks- other apps out there too. I've seen Harry rideshare guy put some apps out that he's like broke down. So I know there's other ones that at least do the same thing as stride. I don't know if how good they are or what. And I also know stride has a unbelievable uh, health deal too, for rideshare drivers for health insurance. 
I so saw that. I haven't checked it out. That's yet. something that you guys, if you're, if it's not Stride, you know, I, I have no hand in the game on that one. So I don't, I don't care. I mean, but pick one of, look up Stride, then look at their competitor apps. Pick the one you want. Um, you, you can even write it in a notebook. If you yeah, but if you're, the numbers, but, but you're, but you have a phone and you're using that. an app. If you're doing rideshare or gig work, you have a smartphone. So do Stride. Definitely simplifies the task. I just think it might get really, it's tough. I mean, some of these drivers work, and I used to too, 15, 18 hours a day mm-hmm. on the killer days where you're making tons of money. That's like bartending. I wouldn't get home from bartending at 5 a.m., get to my bed, go away, and I need to put all, I need to reconcile my books. <laughs> you know, like I'm a, I would hit the bed, start snoring. and Right. Where if it's on your app, all you got to do is make sure you stop that mileage tracking before you go anywhere. Yeah, and it's just a start-stop. I mean, you can put in the the original miles. and That way you can pull any records you want, too, if you want to start filing quarterly, if you want to do things like that that make your life a lot easier. um, You can do that because you can just pull up the quarterly amount and see all that. But, uh, yeah, I guess any tax uh, questions... um, could probably shout them out back at the podcast link here or marissa will be in the podcast link uh she might be nice enough to answer a question or two if you had one i'll check with the expert before i answer <laughs> but she yeah she has a handle that'll be in uh in the twitter um post that i'll make so go ahead and shoot her one if, if she doesn't know i'm sure she'll tell you she doesn't know but again everybody has that chance to be able to just call a place too i i've always thought that those type those places would love to unless they're so slammed and you're calling and they got papers up to their over their head and they're like dude we're two days out from taxi are you kidding Yeah, this week could be complicated yeah you know i know it's always worth a try you can always call yeah but call early in the morning like figure it out plan plan your plan your nice approach to don't the, call next wednesday afternoon because you're not going to get any kind responses from anybody probably right but i mean <laughs> but mostly i mean these companies rely on tax time so they will they want to help you i guess but they also really want you as a customer down the road and at some point all of us should feel i mean if you have the money and, and you and you want to you probably it would be okay to turn it over to an accountant or somebody to do your taxes or whatever. Um, most of the people I know who are very successful and run a lot of businesses, they don't do their taxes. They have, they have a professional do it and they can just go through it. I mean, that's it. I mean, so making a connection with a place, they answer five questions for you and you say, great. You go back and do the app or whatever you're using of your choice that you're doing your taxes through and you still get stuck who are you going to call? You're going to call that person back that helps you. So I've always thought it's kind of a good marketing strategy for a business that relies on once a year. <laughs> it's like the Christmas industry. Right. Only it's evil. <laughs> Only this year it lasted for like the whole year. <laughs> but anyway, folks, uh, I appreciate you. I like you coming on the podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, we're going to call it a night. It's, uh, we wrapped up an hour. I don't know how they go by so quick. Uh, we will see you next week. 
Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for listening. Go be kind to some people. Do some good deeds. And uh, we're out of here. Be good to each other. Peace.